Hey, how you doing, listeners? This is Gina Versa. Um, it's just me today. Uh, unfortunately, Diego was not feeling good, so uh, it's just me and our guest today on Taco Monsters. We're reviving this for King Kong versus Godzilla. I have a good friend of mine from uh, the Asylum. He uh, worked under him on a few movies. It's Brendan Petrizzo. How are you doing, good sir? Hello, Gene. I am good. I am in bed somewhere working on a show and i can tell you this entire episode will be brought to you from my bed (laughs) it'll it'll be the in bed with brendan show oh let's go cool and very intimate (laughs) yeah it seems like a nice hotel i mean like you know looks can be deceiving oh okay we'll (laughs) uh keep it at that but uh Brendan, uh, you know, how are you doing? Um, we kind of asked people during this uh, podcast the last couple of months how they are with COVID. If you want to do, ha- tell us how you are and then uh, tell us a little about yourself. How am I? I mean, I'm doing fine. Um, you know, uh, busy, very, very busy. Um, I've been doing back-to-back movies since June. <laughs> I had a little break um, when everything shut down, but, you know, jumped right back into it once it yeah. got safer. And I did, I actually ended up directing the first movie was shot, um, or one of the first ones that was shot in the middle of the pandemic. And that was an experience. And that was, um, it was an experience. It was fun, but it had its moments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a weird uh, world. Wor- excuse me, it's a weird uh, production world right now. If you could uh, attest to that, it's kind of the it safety is, of that. Very, yeah, it's very. Um, it's different, you know. I think every film set is different, and if you go into it with the right mindset, you'll be fine. And you know, if you go in there kind of knowing that everyone's trying their best and everyone does want to be safe, you know, at the end of the day. I feel like there's certain people who are very, you know, self-centered and they're like, oh my God, you're going to bring COVID into the house or, you know, oh, you're going to do this. And it's like, well, if you think about it, you're like, well, if I'm on a film set, it's me and 50 to 100, 200 other people. Well, they don't want to get it either, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, I feel like everyone's being a bit more cautious. Um, but at the same time, I feel like everyone's just also happy to be out of the house and doing yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it's, uh, God, uh, the date of this recording, it's one year, the one year anniversary of uh, the I, lockdown. I was location scouting a year really? trying to pop up on my phone for a movie that I was <laughs> supposed to direct that is no longer happening. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah. I was so excited for it. I worked on it for a year and a half and it was my, um, actually it kind of relates to this episode. It was like my little homage to, um, I would say King Kong, but there were elements of King Kong in there. It wasn't fully, you know, it was King Kong, um, a little bit of Creature from the Black Lagoon, you know, how to sprinkle that in there across. And finally, um, I'm a huge fan of Italian horror films of the 80s. Oh, nice. It was massively influenced um, by, you know, Cannibal Ferox, Cannibal Holocaust, Slave, you know, Mountain of the Cannibal God. Yeah. Stuff. Um, but unfortunately, it's not happening. <laughs> Dang. Future though, it can. Yeah. 
um, fingers crossed. I mean, you know, one day. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, when things are back to normal, you know, less, uh, less COVID in the air, but yeah, I wish you uh, the best of luck on that. But, um, yeah, what well, can you uh, tell us about uh, Monster Hunters, the the film that you uh, directed for Asylum? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I can tell you anything you want to know. What do you want to know about it? Ask me any oh, question sure. that you want. Yeah, no, it's all good. Um, yeah, so uh, what's uh, what is Monster Hunters like? Uh, is it uh, is it a, what is it a mockbuster of any uh, movie in particular? Because I think I just saw Monster Hunter. Which it, was uh, pretty good. Yes, it's it's a monster. It's a mockbuster, or it's supposed to be a mockbuster of Monster Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, in reality, it's more of a. I guess I would say like Men in Black meets Alien Three in a way. Oh, okay. On As the pot on the podcast, we love Alien Three, so that's right in our ballpark. Love it. Yeah. No, it's. Yeah, people people need to respect Alien Three. Yes, Alien Three is fun, especially the extended one. That's, that's yeah, fun. director's cut. Yeah, um, and director's this cut. yeah, and the term the term we're using because you know we're uh, asylum alums, you know, goes off the you know our vocabulary. But uh, for any listener that's not familiar with the term blockbuster, uh, how would you describe that definition? Quite bluntly, it's a ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you know, Paul, who's one of the, you know, executives over there, explains it the best way. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, it's a ripoff. However, think about it like this. You go to the grocery store. You want to buy orange juice. There is the, you know, the brand one. Mm-hmm. And then you have the grocery store brand one, which tastes a little bit different, but it's still orange juice. It says orange juice and it tastes like orange juice. It's orange juice. So this movie is similar. Is it the monster hunters you were expecting? No, but it's the one that you got. Yeah. You're going to sit down and you're going to shut the fuck up and you're going to enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, and uh, you know, there's not too many, uh, not too many films out right now. So no, it it did. It got a little buzz. It got a little bit of attention enough to keep me busy for about a week. Oh, Uh, awesome. At home doing nothing. Yeah, and um, it seemed like you were a kaiju fan growing up. Uh, how was it like to uh, direct like a monster movie of your own? Um, very unexpected. I had to shift gears. Um, I, like, like I said, I was in Italian cannibal world, you know, prepping that movie of doing, you know, graphic gory effects and all this stuff, just switching to, okay, I'm doing like a monster action kind of sort of horror movie, but not really horror. And, you know, part of me was very much like not, I did not want to direct the movie. Like, I will oh. tell you this, when I got the phone call, I, I needed a day to think about it. And even after I agreed to it, I still didn't really want to do it. So it was this giant for about a week. I was kind of pissed off um, <laughs> and I had no one to talk to and it sucked, um, you know? So I was like in my room and I was like, how am I going to make this work? Like, what am I going to do? Like, this isn't, this isn't how I wanted my first feature to go like I'm very much of a this is you know I can be a perfectionist and you know I'm like this is not how I wanted my first movie to go so after you know being pissy for a day or two uh for no reason (laughs) I sat down and was like okay how can I like craft this 
into a way, into a movie that I would want to watch? How would I make this something that I'd want to watch and I'd have fun doing? So I kind of broke it down in a way of number one, why are people watching this movie? They're watching this movie because they want to see monsters. What do they want to see the monsters doing? They want to see them killing people and they want to see lots of action. That is all that matters. You know, like that is no one, sometimes everyone's different, different directors, different producers will say different things. Some people will say, you know, if you're doing one of these type of films, you need to focus on the characters, but then you think about it. Why are people watching these movies? They're not watching this movie because they want to go on an emotional adventure with characters. They don't give a fuck about that. <laughs> they want to go and see all the crazy shit that happens along the way. Now, you still have to make sure the characters are developed. You want to make sure they have a backstory. You want to make it sure it's interesting, but you want to put most of your focus, at least for me, I put it in, how can I make this movie move forward and be crazy and exciting, you know, within the boundary that I have? Um, so for me, I readjusted basically every kill in there. I redid and recrafted. So it was something, you know, more memorable and I, I wanted every death scene or at least as many of them as I could do to be different and memorable. So, you know, if you watched it, it was kind of like watching a Friday the 13th movie, you know, where you're like, oh shit, this crazy thing happens. Um, I wanted to make sure that the ending was a lot bigger than most, you know, films of this uh, caliber, I think mm -hmm. uh, people would say. So, you know, I, did um, what, you know, Roger Corman would do, or um, there's an Italian film director named Bruno Mattei. His movies are absolute shit, but he would do the same thing. <laughs> so we're going to say I took this idea from Roger Corman. Okay. Um, but, you know, I felt that the ending of Monster Hunters wasn't big enough. It wasn't exciting enough. It was very boring and it made no sense because it literally had an alien spaceship coming down for no reason. And I was like, and then you know, it had them running around the warehouse for no reason. So it's like, why this makes no sense. So I added in an entire air, you know, like the air force versus the alien ships. And mm -hmm. I got a little bit of pushback on it, but mm -hmm. just a little bit. Um, but it wasn't necessarily like a no because the movie wasn't short. It didn't need more running time. And, you know, when you direct, you know, these movies, you're, it's, it's essentially, you're like a TV director. You're not like an artist. So you have to, you know, to, to do changes like that, you have to have a really good relationship with everyone involved and you have to convince them of why you're doing it. And luckily I get along with all of them and, you know, I convince them. And, you know, I was like, hey, what if we add this? It'll make the ending a lot bigger. It'll make the, you know, the film seem a lot bigger than it really is. And it worked. Um, we we did pull that from a different movie, but mm -hmm. the thing is, is you know, it did make the movie bigger. If you notice in the beginning, um, you know, when Tom Sizemore is doing his monologue, you know, I wanted to show a, I wanted to make the world bigger and expand it and have different, you know, different aliens in there. I wanted to have different things. I wanted people you know, who are watching this for the first time to be like, oh, this is not just like a one-off thing. It's like, you know, there are other worlds. There are other things in here. There is some crazy shit, you know, like it's not just a, you know, a tiny budget B movie. It's like there was thought put into this. And yeah, I remember a few people afterwards told me they were like, holy shit, you kind of built a little monster universe of asylum stuff. And I'm like, that's the plan. And, you know, for yeah. the five people who've seen all their movies, 
you mm -hmm. know, it's fun to see references and stuff like that. And, you know, I love little Easter eggs like that. So, and then for people who haven't, it just makes the world seem a bit bigger, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, like, you know, I mean, yeah, just to, uh, you know, get the most uh, bang out of your buck. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the way to go. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot, you know, you guys have like a, you guys have like a really, uh, like, kind of like niche uh, cult following too. So I'm sure they, uh, they appreciated it. Yeah. So the practical effects, because that's the thing that not sure. many do on these lower budget movies anymore. And that's something I pushed for um, when I signed on to it. I'm like, I have to have my makeup artist Monique. I'm like, she has to do the movie with me because mm -hmm. uh, she knows what I like. And she, she and I both um, are fans of the same horror films and we both are huge practical effects fans. Um, so I've made sure that, you know, all the scenes where you know, you have Cherish after she's like smashed in the mirror. I wanted all the glass in her face and I wanted it to be crazy. And, you know, um, when Yaz is torn in half, I wanted the torso and all that, you know, like I wanted to make sure that the movie had enough practical effects in there too, because it's fun seeing the real thing, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, that, you know, that's also the thing with, uh, you know, practical versus like digital, like, you know, as long as it, you know, as long as it works or it eats the movie, yeah, like, it's the way to go. Um, the razzle. Oh, sorry. You have to give that extra razzle dazzle that people need. Yeah, there you go. Um, just going up, kind of changing gears. Um, what do you think? Because I, you know, I've been on a few asylum movies, and you know, it's it's really, uh, you know, you guys are on a tight knit schedule. Um, what was like the biggest challenge, kind of, with uh, working through, uh, you know, COVID and all this, you know, trying to be as safe and uh, safe as possible. Honestly, the biggest challenge wasn't the movie it, itself um, for for the making of it. Um, it was very easy to do um, because I've been with that company for so long. Um, you have to go into it with the right mindset. You have to go into it, you know, just knowing at any minute, you know, Anthony, really helped me. I'm so happy he was, you know, producing it for me because he was like, you're going to have to kill your babies. He's like, mm -hmm. you're all these things. You have to kill them all. Luckily, I got everything I wanted. Um, <laughs> yeah. As you know, I think some people come into there and they're just like, I'm going to make the best movie and I'm going to show them. And it's like, no, <laughs> uh, it's not going to work because they have their way of making movies. That's mm -hmm. how they make movies. It works fine for them. So for me, making the film wasn't the hardest part. Um, there were other things that were a lot more difficult and a lot more challenging that I had to deal with. And, you know, it threw a wrench into the entire production thing and made production a living nightmare for other reasons. Um, but, you know, the making of the movie itself was very simple and very easy, um, even with COVID and all that, because everyone knew what they were doing and they were so good at it. Yeah. Uh, when when did you guys like uh, film this? By the way, we filmed it in June. Oh, okay, June of last year. We yeah, filmed so. it in June and it came out in August. Gotcha. And um, just kind of uh, wrapping up, uh, we're talking about this before we go on to our main event of the two movies. Where can uh, people find this? Any listeners, if they want to rent or uh, buy the movie? Well, you can find it on iTunes, Amazon. You can buy it on YouTube. I think there's a bootleg on YouTube. 
basically anywhere where you can stream movies, it's there. Um, the weird places are like the Microsoft Store, Fandango. Um, but yeah, like iTunes, like all that shit. And, oh, it's on Prime. It's also on Prime. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, you can watch it for free. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's how I watched it. So, you know, but yeah, no, I'd uh, recommend everyone to check it out. And uh, sorry, what were you going to say? What's your favorite part? Oh, uh, you know, I was actually uh, digging the uh, opening that you were saying. So, yeah. A little collage of creatures. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, um, I believe you had, uh, did you have Jonathan Nation on mm -hmm. it? Oh, okay. Uh, me and the Condolix, uh, I worked on a movie with them, uh, Jurassic Galaxy, so that was cool. I wasn't oh, sure that was him. Jurassic Galaxy. Yeah, no, Jonathan was great. I was very, like, when Anthony was like, oh, we're getting Jonathan, I, at first, I'm like, he sounds familiar. And it turns out he was in Mega Piranha, which is the movie that made me go, like, I want to direct for Asylum. So yeah. it was kind of fun. You know, even in Mega Piranha, he had a quick cameo and he gets eaten. In this one, he has a quick cameo, he gets eaten. It was great. He's fun to work with. Yeah, no, he's a cool guy. But uh, cool, yeah. Um, I would recommend everyone to check it out and uh, yeah, support uh, support some uh, Mockbusters. Yeah. <laughs> cool, cool. So main topic here, since uh, Kong vs. Godzilla comes out, God, in like 12 days at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. Through HBO Max, um, I'm gonna be talking two movies: um, the original Godzilla, the Japanese cut, which is um, the best way to see it. I'm not trying to be pretentious, but the American version does take a lot of liberties. It, but, it's its own thing. I agree with you on that. Like the American one does its own thing. I mean, some people like it, some people don't. Teach their own. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and but we the, were. Oh, sorry. The yeah. Japanese. Way. Exactly. Um, and we also had uh, King Kong Escapes, which was uh, another Toho film that came out. I believe it comes out after the original Kong vs. Godzilla, where mm -hmm. Toho still had the license for Kong. So they were doing some weird stuff. But, uh, but Brendan, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Godzilla the, or Gojira, uh, the original version? I liked it. I really, really enjoyed it um, when I first saw it. Obviously, I was a lot younger. It was right after Peter Jackson's King Kong came out. They kind of reissued everything. So, you know, that Godzilla came out. Um, they, I think, had a new DVD or something or VHS for, you know, Godzilla 2000. Oh, okay. so, Godzilla, Godzilla 2000. That's, uh, oh, I haven't heard of that movie, but that has the one of the best Godzilla lines where it's like, um, was it this missile could... Uh, I was like, this missile could go through Godzilla, like shit through a goose, which is like, I don't know if they actually said that and it got translated or like the translator just randomly put something there, but that's such a weird fucking line. They had, they had all those, but you know, with the original one, I just, I thought it was fun because it was like, it's the original monster in a suit, you know, or like yeah. in a suit type thing. And I thought that was fascinating. I thought some of their effects were you know, really good for the time and, you know, for what they were trying to do. Um, you could definitely tell that they were influenced a lot by American films like Them, um, you know, Tarantula, uh, The Deadly Mantis, The yeah. Beat. I think you could see the influence in there. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, uh, it's like a weird, like a, like a, like a snake eating its tail where uh, mm -hmm. I believe um, 
they they were also inspired by uh, the original King Kong as mm-hmm. well. So no, that was that was the top one, but there were other influences as well. Not from all those movies because some of them came after, but like sprinkled about. You know, you could you could kind of see it, but it's you know it's always fascinating with you know different monster movies or films in general to see how you know one country takes that inspiration and uses it. You know, like for America, I mean, you saw what happened when they did Godzilla the first time. Oh, uh, the Matthew Broderick one. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then they did it again <laughs> and then it got a little better yeah you know but compared to when you know japan did their version of king kong and right. fun fact did you know that in japan they did their own version of king kong oh like uh like is it like a knockoff version way back in the 30s they did and um but then after you know world war ii all the prints were destroyed um, from the atomic bombs, but there are a few stills out there. So it's really cool that at some point there was a Japanese version of King Kong. Yeah, I, I think I read about that vaguely, but it was like, I didn't like know like the full history. Cause yeah, I mean, like if anyone finds that that's like uh, the Holy Grail of like lost media. It's that. And then there's the famous King Kong spider pit scene. Oh, yeah, like uh, the one that Peter Jackson tries to like restore. We were doing that for the movie that never ended up happening. We had that scene in there. I forced oh, really? It. Yeah, because I was like, we have to do it. Yeah. No, yeah, that's, you know, just looking up all the lost media of like all these films that didn't get preserved is like crazy. But, um, you know, speaking of which, um, you know, the original uh, Godzilla, just the like the scenes that you see in this version like um there's a scene where Godzilla is like destroying the I forgot what city it's like Tokyo what have you but like the mom is telling like the the little son like oh we're gonna see your dad soon you know mm-hmm. like scenes like that got lost in the um the uh the American cut of the film and you know I think like that makes um Godzilla that much more meaningful has that that much more depth to yeah. it you know like the writing's that much stronger you know, it really like conveys like uh, like kind of like the plight of the country that they were trying to like convey uh, Ishiro Hondo, the director and all the writers, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, which begs the question, uh, you've seen the Raymond Burr version too, Godzilla King of the Monsters, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a, that's a, that's as much as you could say about that movie because the movie from I think it's the 70s. And it's called Tidal Wave. And oh, okay. it, it's a Japanese film. It's about two hours long. And they did the exact same thing where they, you know, they're like, we're going to film 10, 15 minutes with this washed up actor. And we're going to just intercut it throughout the film, call it Tidal Wave, say the sky is the star. And then when you go and watch it, it's, you know, obviously, you, yeah, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, you know, I understand like they were trying to, you know, get a broader audience and a wider audience and like getting to America. But the way they, the way they put Raymond Burr in, Raymond Burr in those, like, it feels like they're like, uh, did you ever see that episode of The Simpsons where it's like Stanley guest stars and he's trying to like put the thing in a Batmobile and it's like, it's not fitting. And it's like, you know, you have like stand ins of like the main cast that do not, you know, obviously a stand in and, 
he's just talking to them and they're not talking back to him at all and it's just like yeah it's like i get it but it's like the way you went about it it's like that was the worst and it's it's odd too because they bring him back in return of godzilla like he's like you know he has like a role in the movie and uh i don't i don't know if a lot of the audience like remembers him but it's like 30 or 40 years later and it's like the weirdest thing no no offense to raymond burr i'm sure he's a great actor but yeah it's just you know there's another they would do stuff like that sometimes there's a um there's a movie from the 80s italian horror film mm-hmm. um, and it was originally called zombie holocaust and an american distributor was like they put it out the movie was fine it did fine at the, the grindhouse theaters but then a distributor was like all right we're gonna take that movie we're gonna take 10 minutes out of it we're gonna put 10 minutes of random shit in there and re-release it as dr butcher and they did that's that's wild yeah just i knew <laughs> yeah yeah just like the way uh the way like some movies get like re-edited it's just crazy but yeah you know the original godzilla like i i think like 50 or 60 years after it came out i think like 70 now yeah it 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 uh still holds up you know just i love how godzilla's uh portrayed in this because i don't think in any of the other films like he's portrayed like that terrifying mm-hmm. it's like when he shows up um you know it's like over like a hill or he's like a silhouette or like he's just you know like uh do you remember the scene where the reporters are uh like reporting as he's like like lunging towards them and like gonna knock it over like he's scary he's like terrifying in this movie i remember as a kid i loved the movie but i was like i was pretty scared watching this actually i was like like okay (laughs) yeah because it's like you know he's supposed to represent just basically like the atomic bomb like you know why you shouldn't like mess with uh you know this uh like weapons or you know atomic energy very interested to see now you know what horror movies are kind of going to evolve into in the next two to three years because i swear to god if it's all COVID related i'm gonna be uh yeah it's uh you know i don't i think this is like i I was reading a term for it it's like COVID cinema where you see that i'm not sure if you saw songbird or yeah uh was it like with anne hathaway it's not a horror movie but it's like locked up i i will go to bat for because it's not really a uh uh, COVID movie, it's kind of, but not really, In the Earth by uh, Ben Whiteley. Mm. Yeah, we were uh, big fans of him on the show, but yeah, that was um, that's the only one where I'm like, oh, okay, this works. But yeah, everything else kind of, uh, it seems kind of in poor taste because it's like, you know, a lot of escapism that you would want in a movie and reminding them of like, like the I mean, worst year of their life. Be movies like Mandy and The Color Out of Space. I'd love to see horror go into like a weird direction again. Yeah, It'd be fun. Or, yeah, no, Man- Mandy's great. I love that. If you or if you saw, what was the other Nick Cage film? Color Out of Space. Oh, Color Out of Space. Oh no no, uh, Willy's Wonderland. Yes. Oh, I love Willy's Wonderland. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd recommend that for everyone just to check out because it's like, if you movie- seen, mm-hmm. watch it. I watched it like a month ago. Like the day it came out at three in the morning, <laughs> it's the best. Yeah, no, it really is because it's like it's a concept of Nick Cage beating up like Chuck E. Cheese animatronics, and it gives you exactly that. So like, I'm gonna there. This is some. I guess it could be considered a spoiler. So if it's sure. if you don't like spoilers, skip ahead thirty seconds. 
But I love how Nicolas Cage not once says a fucking word in the movie. He does not say a goddamn word. <laughs> yeah, like at most, like he grunts, but you know, that's not like dialogue. Um, All he, that's it. Yeah, no, that was, yeah, I, I love that fact that he just, he never speaks. He just destroys animatronics and like plays pinball and, and drinks. 15 minute break. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, yeah. Everyone should check that out. Um, but any any last thoughts on Godzilla? Kind of anything like noticeable? You know, mm-hmm. it. I mean, I just think it's fascinating how kind of like the world did their own weird interpretations of it. You know, we have the Raymond Burr thing. We have the Dar- the Argento colorized version of it. Oh, that's right. You know, like I just think it's interesting how like everyone gravitated, you know, gravitated towards this one movie and kind of did their own thing with it. Mm-hmm. you know and it's nice to see that the original version is still the the, still the best yeah i i have not i have not seen actually the argento colorized version what can you uh, say about that it's godzilla in color i mean like <laughs> yeah there's um it's godzilla in color it's like when they colorized king kong it's mm-hmm. king kong in color i mean personally I like black and white movies, but I enjoyed the color version and I still have it and I still watch it when I'm feeling spicy. Like, <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I really don't. I don't know why people get so pissy. I'm like, it's it's a preference. Like, yeah, black and white's nice, but, you know. Yeah, it, you know, because uh, I, I want to see it now, but, you know, it's like, uh, it's like Blade Runner, you know, there's like multiple cuts of it and um you know whichever whichever version you want to check out is uh you know you could go with it at the end of the day runners cuts though there i've seen three of them i don't think i've seen the work print one i've okay. seen original director's cut and then fi- i i own it's the ultimate cut like the fi- i own the final cut and, like, okay the, the final cut yeah. yeah final cuts the best one that's that's what he wanted watch that one yeah even though uh yeah uh deckard is not a replicant still great <laughs> i think he is though yeah well yeah it's it's debatable because it's like everyone says a different answer for that production i think it also depends on which one you're watching you know yeah yeah exactly but uh yeah for godzilla yeah not not anything else to say um i i don't think anything really beats the original i think shin godzilla comes close if anyone's seen that but you know the original godzilla film is is amazing so yeah go check it out before you watch king kong versus godzilla and i guess that leads to our second film for this double feature king kong escapes which was made by toho when they still had the license i, I think it's like 1965 mm-hmm. and this is uh <laughs> This is like after they they uh, already uh, used King Kong in King Kong versus Godzilla, and uh, God, I'm, I'm not sure what to say about this movie because uh, I watched this for the first time, uh, for yeah, for this recording, and I was like, I loved it in the sense like this is freaking weird, but it's like, you know, yeah, it's it's crazy because it's um, you know, it's kind of going back to what you're saying where you know this is a because King Kong ultimately he's a, a American American uh, kind of cinema icon and like having this other culture like reinterpret him is uh, pretty interesting and 
I would give it points, um, and this is one of the reasons why I like the Skull Island, where um, they do like something like different with uh, with Kong because you know you, you watch like the Jeff Bridges, and I love the Peter Jackson one, but it's kind of the same story, you know, where it's like uh, you know this film crew goes to the island, they they take like this uh, you know actress, and they're trying to film a movie, but it's like you're seeing that for all the remakes and the fact that this has like a, just like an excavation team and like a giant robot of Kong is like that. That's awesome. You know, it's definitely an experience. Yeah. Um. So what, what were your thoughts on uh, King Kong escapes? Oh God. Well, when I saw it as a kid, you know, it's like, <sighs> I had just watched, the 1970s Jessica Lange Jeff Bridges version. Yeah. And that is a very well done film. Yeah. It is a very fascinating one. The production behind it is a lot more interesting than the movie itself, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, who is the producer? It's the guy that did like Flash Gordon, right? Uh, produced it. Uh, God, it's like, uh, no, it's like the guy that worked on Evil Dead, or am I mistaken? Uh, I don't think anyone in Evil Dead did. Oh, no, no. Uh, or Army of Darkness, uh, the Italian producer. Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah, he, he worked on King Kong 76. Okay. And then he did the sequel, King Kong Lives. Oh. Seen that at this point, which I think that would be a better pairing with these two movies. I think they would they would go. <laughs> um, but so I, I watched, you know, the Jessica Lange one. And then I watched, um, you know, this one (laughs) and i remember i was in i i wouldn't say i was shocked all right because you can tell by the cover of the movie what you're getting into and i remember i think i i like was borrowing it from a friend or something or i i I was watching it with one of my friends and i remember the it was on vhs you know 100 Mm -hmm. vhs and it was definitely one of those ones where you're just like okay (laughs) this is gonna be a thing um i was a little thrown off because it was like i at the time was like really into you know i don't know i saw on the back it was rated g so i'm like great this movie's gonna suck like it's not gonna be good fun because it's common knowledge that if a movie's rated g there is a 85 percent chance it's not gonna be good so which is true across the board um but you know, this one was dumb fun. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, one word to describe it because in the right, right set of state of mind, if you're with the right people, like I was, it is a very good experience and it's a very, very fun, you know, fun time. Um, what I thought was really cool is that I think you pronounce her name, Mai Hama. She was one of the leads. She was in James Bond's movie. You only live twice, which I'm a huge James Bond fan. So oh, really? Oh, fun. dang. I, 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 so, I did not notice that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that was fun. I was actually, and, you know, she was also in, uh, she was in King Kong versus Godzilla. But I thought it was cool because I had recently done, you know, we did a James Bond marathon. And I was like, oh, my God, it's what's her name from the <laughs> movie. Like, yeah. Was, so. that, was that in preparation for, like, whenever No Time to Die will eventually come out? No, th- I mean this is years ago. This is back oh, okay. 
when I was in like middle school or it was right after it was like maybe middle school beginning of high school something like that gotcha do bad movie nights with my friends and for a while it started as good movie nights and then we discovered asylum and just stayed there (laughs) there you go but but yeah no this this film is just like interesting where it's almost like toho where it's like all right we kind of figured out because this this period's like they more or less you know they know how they wanted to make the godzilla films like they know the type of uh like plots and everything um and they're almost kind of like borrowing elements from godzilla i I believe this comes out around like the time they already had the idea for like Mecha Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, it's like we have one of Godzilla Mecha version. Why not give it to Kong? You know, and it's just like, uh, yeah, it's just wild that, you know, this is Toho's like, this is how they view uh, this like character, you know? And like even in uh, Kong versus Godzilla, where they, they're giving him like, uh, I think he has like a power of like electricity or something or, whatever but yeah it's interesting where it's like they're doing their own version but then you still have elements of like the the 30s one where it's like king kong is like always attracted to a blonde uh like a blonde uh, lady or like uh you know like a damsel or what what have you you know like he always like you know that's that's the thing that like stays with that character i guess which you know in all the interpretations which i mean i've always been a blonde but when i became a blonde (laughs) i will tell you that blondes do have more fun it is a definite fact i will that if you happen to wake up blonde one day Uh trust me there is yes that saying is is true yeah you know like a giant like a giant ape will like be outside your hotel room just like looking <laughs> you know but yeah um I, yeah i don't know this this film it's uh yeah i don't know it's just like interesting just just like uh the way it's like plotted you know it's very like a comic booky or uh you know there's a giant there's like a like a base in the arctic where there's like a evil like scientist character you would see like in pulp films and it's like yeah, this movie's like kind of insane and giant pulp novel just made into a movie. That's basically what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it from the artwork on the original poster, right? The story itself, um, it's it's a giant pulp novel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fascinating. It you know, it's crazy, it's wild, but you know, it's a bit janky. Yeah, but it's fun. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that's the most. Uh, you know that's the best thing you could say like it's not dull for sure like it's not uh, boring the, o- the only thing I can't like I-, I don't get and it maybe could be like a like some weird like studio thing is like like I don't know why they didn't use the costume um, like the giant monster costume from Kong versus Godzilla in this one because he looks he looks different and Toho, ha- Toho has like kind of a problem towards like the later Godzilla film of like they reuse a lot of the same costumes where I think it's like God, like son of Godzilla where he, like his face looks like you could see like, like tears on the costume or like, it looks like battered. And I'm like, I don't know why they decided to go with like a new Kong design. Cause it, it just it doesn't look good as he did in the previous film. And like, he looks like smaller and he just, he looks different. And 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That was kind of lost on me. Yeah, I wonder if it has something to do. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it was one of those, like I've seen film studios and people make the decision of, okay, we're doing a dinosaur movie. We, you know, oh, well, we have a dinosaur suit. We can wear it. It's fine. It's still brand new. And then it's like, no, we're not going to use it at all. They don't like, they don't want to use it. They're like, no, 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 no. We're only going to do VFX. And it's like, but we have a perfectly good working sitting here. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case where they're just like, we want a new suit. We don't like this look. We want something else. Or if the creator of the suit was like the original one was like, no, you can't, you can't use that for the next film. You have to, you know, like you can't use my design. You have to use someone else's, which I don't believe that one for this because that doesn't seem to fit this series. I would now on like, maybe if it was like a tiny indie movie and it was a monster movie and then the second one looks a bit different. But um, yeah, with something like this, I think it's probably coming from a much higher place of we don't want that or maybe the costume just broke, but more, it, it, it honestly seems like it's more of a executive somewhere being like, we don't, we don't want that. We want to change the look up. Yeah. It's always, yeah, that one executive. But uh, yeah, you know, and I was also going to say, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is also the last time you see Kong in like any of the Toho movies. Because he, he's originally supposed to be in Destroy All Monsters, actually. Which... And he's not. Yeah. But you see, uh, I guess like an Easter egg, uh, the, the dinosaur he's uh, wrestling with at the beginning, I think it's called like Gu- Gurusaurus or something. Mm-hmm. He comes back and Destroy All Monsters, so... You know, whatever role I guess Kong was going to have might have been like given to Gurusaurus or something. So, yeah, yeah, but that would have been cool. Now, uh, I've got yeah. a question for you. Oh, sure. Do you remember back in 2016, there was a Godzilla movie where they used a suit and it was called Shin Godzilla? Yes. Yeah. Uh, if anyone's listening to the podcast, like they know I, I go to bat for Shin Godzilla so hard. So yeah, I, I love that movie and yeah. But it's on my watch list. I wanted to ask you about it. And sure. I feel like it captured like did it have that nostalgia from like these films, like the classics? Did it was it able to bring that back? Or, you know, did it did it translate to a modern, you know, modern audience, or do you think it was a bit eh? No, um, yeah, I think they they really um they really like carried like kind of that spirit of like, you know, how like some of the some of the visual effects of how Godzilla looks, kind of I think like they said, oh well, it needs to like look like if he was in a suit, and they they really carry that in that film, and some of it kind of does. Like, um, yeah, I think they use the 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 monster suit for maybe like a shot or two, but yeah, I would I would say so. Um, and it's also um, if anyone's into anime, it's from like the guy the guy who directed it is. Um, made a neon genesis evangelion so like it's like the weirdest anime creator taking over godzilla so it's like it has like everything so yeah i love that movie so much it seems like fun like i i i looked it up before because obviously you know you sure started rereading and re-watching these films and then this one popped up and i was just like i remember when it came out yeah i never saw it and then the more i read about it the more i'm just like 
I, uh, I have a lot of questions. Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. Cause it's, um, I, I think that's like the better, uh, re reinterpretation of Godzilla, uh, like in this decade of like filmmaking or whatever, than like the legendary one, because, uh, Shin Godzilla deals a lot with kind of how, like the, how Japan felt after the Fukushima disaster and the tidal wave where like they were, they were really let down by like the bureaucracy of the government. Like no one really helped them. And the, Shin Godzilla really has like a lot to critique because it's basically like saying like, I guess kind of like COVID how a lot of like elected official, just elected officials, like just, they don't like have a lot of empathy for people or they don't get it. And that goes back to the original Godzilla where it's a, it's a, it's a kind of like this, uh, not morality tale, but this, uh, this kind of like a coded film on like how they felt like post-war. So it re really does that well. And like legendary Godzilla for what, you know, for what it is, I, I, I like, to, I like it, but it doesn't really talk about like Japan or like what Godzilla means to that country. So yeah, I'd really recommend Shin Godzilla. Honestly, I'll probably watch that tonight after this because oh, there you go. You know, be fun, Gene. Mm -hmm. An episode of just talking about Shin Godzilla. I mean, I need to watch it and see if there's a lot to talk about, but it I, it seems fascinating. Like, I don't know, it just, you don't get monsters in suits anymore. People, I keep saying, yeah. you know, you don't get the suit monsters. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, if uh, you're pitching it to me, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'd be glad to maybe we could have like a bonus episode or something for this, uh, for this series for sure. Um, but yeah, I'd be down. <laughs> like there's a whole other conversation there. I, but yeah. I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know, you know, like there might not be. Yeah, yeah, if you don't like it, you'd be like, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I guess that kind of winding down here that leads us to our last topic, which is uh, Godzilla versus Kong, which we'll see at the end of the month. But uh, Brendan, are you team Kong or team Godzilla? Um. This might change after watching uh, Shin Godzilla. Okay. But I'm I'm still key, team King Kong because I feel like that movie series has more um, history to it in a sense of, you know, you have mystery. You have the spider pit sequence from the original one. You have the third King Kong film from 1934 that was supposed to be made that wasn't. You have the original, you know, like it, there's just so much mystery and so many things to look into on that series. You know, you have the TV cut of, you know, the 70s King Kong, which is officially being re-released. Oh, awesome. In the summer. I have the, like the bootleg one. Great, if you have a chance to watch to get the bootleg one because it, it's great um but you know i just i feel like king kong has like production wise a bit more of a crazy history like you know originally in the 70s one there was gonna be um the giant snake was gonna eat some sailors <laughs> and end up in the movie they tried to film it but it didn't work so it's like stuff like that you know that was Stuff like that, I think for me personally, it just makes the movie series a lot more interesting. Um, whereas for Godzilla, I mean, while it's fascinating, it's fascinating for other things. It's more of an environmental thing. Like, I don't 
I haven't heard really any production production stories of like, well, we filmed this one sequence and it was taken out. Like you do have your alternate versions, but like yeah. many movies have alternate versions, you know? Um, but I don't know. So I'm still team Kong for that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, you know, it's all good. I mean, you know, uh, each side is valid. Um, you know, I guess we'll see who wins uh, at the end of the month when we see the film. Um, I would even mark my words no one's gonna win there's really <laughs> they're like they're gonna drag this thing out like it's there's not really gonna be a yeah or what if it's like bvs where it's like you know it's like they their moms both have the same first name mm-hmm. and they decide not to fight <laughs> you know they um, up and destroy everyone yeah they just destroy everything but I, I will say king kong does have opposable thumbs so he's he's got that going for him he does that <laughs> Having opposable thumbs is that's a good thing to have but i'm curious because how tall was he in scotland i think he's like 100 feet but he's still kind of like a like he's basically like a a teen in that movie and now he's an adult so he's like bigger so i think he's like what's that in skull island he's a teen yeah that's what they said Uh, okay That's the official explanation. So that's what I'm going with. Jesus, that's what happens when you don't plan out your series and you just kind of go, <laughs> oh, you're like, yeah, all right, we're making more of these. Uh, he's a teen. Got it. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it's, it's better than any explanation I heard from like Endgame or something for all the... That is true. Yeah, for any of the stuff that doesn't... Do, do, do what the card's given. So, I mean, yeah. it is what it is. Definitely. The teen, great, awesome. <laughs> the Island is about... Um, a teenager's rampage and you know yeah. all that Love yeah it. you know and it's a it's like an allegory i guess for the vietnam war or something i don't know great references in there <laughs> yeah. if you're if you know your movie history yeah good no, uh, oh sorry oh i was just gonna say i i enjoy the film for, for what it is i know it has some uh strong dislikers but I don't know why if you're going to remake a movie do that because do either what peter jackson did or do skull island both of those i think are exactly how remakes should go because you know peter jackson's one just expanded and it it took the original one to a whole new level yeah whereas skull island changed it but they made it into this massively fascinating entertaining movie that it's very different than what you're used to, but at the same time, I think that's what makes it fun because it's like it's like an original thing. Yeah. Yes, they're on an island. Yes, you'll see, you know, those creatures, but it's still fascinating and it's vastly different from what, you know, you're expecting. Whereas, you know, Peter Jackson's one, still that one of the best remakes ever made. Um, it's still kind of a paint by numbers if you're a yeah. fan of you know, if you're a fan of it, you know how it goes, then it's like, okay, this happens, this happens, this happens, very yeah. done, but it is what it is. Yeah, it, it takes a lot of the plot beats from the original and kind of does their own thing. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I like Skull Island, you know, for that reason. I was going to say, because I think this, uh, this kind of this clip, uh, I keep seeing this on Twitter where uh, one of the Academy Awards has... Um, I think they were doing something for visual effects, like a segment, and it has the um, 
1998 Godzilla fighting the Peter Jackson King Kong, which is like the coolest thing I've ever seen. And it, they had it like for maybe like a less than a minute. And it's like some alternate universe. There's that film out there. It's yeah. I'm always curious about that. And that was like the right after. What was it? It was right after, right before Lord of the Rings, Peter mm-hmm. Jackson was supposed to do King Kong. And I vaguely remember when I was like two or three, there was some like newspaper article. And I just remember seeing a picture of like, you know, like the King Kong holding like Fay Ray or something. Yeah. And my mom was like, oh, that's King Kong. It's a giant gorilla that holds a girl. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Um, and that was it. That was my introduction to King Kong. Um, but I'm pretty convinced that it was like an article about how that movie was going to be made and it was never made. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they went, they went pretty far on the pre-production for that. Cause I think, I think he talks about it in like, cause it's a really good DVD. Um, the, the making of feature of, uh, his King Kong on the DVD for, uh, the, I think the extended cut for King Kong, which everyone should check out. But yeah, that's that's probably that's probably what it was. But um, but yeah, you know, see all the King Kongs because you know they're all they're all fun in their own way. There's no boring King Kong for sure. I guess that kind of wraps up uh, our statements on Kong. I don't know. Like, they're all fun. I mean, the '70s one. It's a lot of walking and talking. Yeah, it's a glorified B movie because. <laughs> It's a lot of walking and talking. It's a lot of just, oh, this, oh, that. Yeah. Oh, this, oh, that. And that's it. Now, I'm a huge Jessica Lange fan because mm-hmm. of, um, you know, Feud and American Horror Story. So it's really cool to go back, go back and watch it and see her play this like ditzy blonde. Yeah. And then like the next day watching her play this like badass bitch, like burning people alive. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, yeah and you know as a uh, as that character too she she uh does something you know it's different than all the other uh all the other versions of that character too so yeah very very different yeah so i guess just wrapping up here uh brendan um where can uh people find you at do you have any uh social media you want to promote yes i am on everything but i'm only going to give up my twitter and my instagram sure <laughs> Because that's where it's best. I don't. I only do Facebook for close friends and family. Gene, you're on my Facebook, but no one else will be on my Facebook. This way, it'll, okay. it'll just be my secret and yours. So my my Instagram is Brendan Patrizzo, B R E N T A N P T R I Z Z O. All right. No one can fuck that up. I spelled it out for you. Um, my Twitter's the exact same thing. Or you could just type me into Google and it'll pop up. Um, you know, that's that's me. And that's how you can keep up to date with all the crazy stuff that I'm either producing, since I mainly do producing. Um, but I, I do have other movies in the works for this year that are different, but fun. Okay. That I'll be doing. So, you know, got to keep it spicy, got to keep it fun. But the movies I have produced will come out first. So we're going to focus on those. Sure. Yeah, we'll uh, definitely keep uh, an eye out for them in the future. And then, you know. Uh, the Dead, that's the next one. Oh, sorry? 
aquarium of the dead oh there you go yeah um yeah if you want to say anything about that before we yeah zombies three i don't know if i should have said that but oh yeah okay well i i think i saw uh, i think i saw glenn post about that so i think you're good <laughs> but uh cool yeah um yeah and we'd be glad to have you on again as well it was fun yeah of these type of movies i love you know crazy monster movies and stuff i'm I know if people meet me, they might not think I enjoy it, um, mm. you know, but I think they're fun. I think they're crazy and insane and, you know, they're fun to watch. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, and uh, I, uh, what's the uh, someone from the asylum has a quote about how you should watch it as well with like friends and. Oh, yes. I mean, personally, to watch these movies and I'm speaking from years of experience. All right you need to watch them with friends. You need to be drinking and doing whatever else you need to do. And you need to understand that these movies are not to be taken seriously. You need to understand these movies are for entertainment. Everyone making them knows exactly what they are. Most people, there are some directors who think that they are making art. And you notice they never direct with that company again. Um, <laughs> but, you know, most people know what they're making and they're trying to make something fun and entertaining. So that's, that's at least what most of us try and do. We try to make it fun, as fun as we can, as entertaining as we can. So Yeah, exactly. Because uh, I've uh, actually screened uh, some of the uh, films and asylum movies I've worked on for my birthday sometimes. Nice. And, yeah, I try to paraphrase that where you know, have a beer and watch. So yeah, hopefully, you know, could uh, have more people at those, those celebrations when COVID's over. But um, yeah, thanks for joining us today, Brennan. Um, you could find me on Twitter and Instagram, G9892. Uh, you could follow the Waffle Press podcast on Twitter, at the Waffle Press, on Instagram, at the Waffle Press podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, uh, uh, excuse me, Spotify, YouTube, uh, SoundCloud. Uh, please like, share, subscribe. Um, you know, maybe find something you do like or you don't still subscribe. Um, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We've been professionally unprofessional. <laughs>